Good morning, church, and greeting to those tuning in online. My name is Paul, a fellow member of North Shore Alliance Church and one of the international ministry partners. Uh, we're just, our family's here just for two more Sundays. We fly back on November 20th, and so I believe on the 19th, uh, we'll have a time of prayer for us so you could send us on our way. And it's a joy for me to open up God's word with you this morning and to share with you what God has laid on my heart through these passages as, I was, as I've looked into the topic of fellowship. So we're continuing our sermon series on the church, the matters of the church, and her purposes, and why it matters. N.T. Wright, in reflecting on the church and her purpose in the world, writes this. The church exists primarily for two closely correlated purposes, to worship God and to work for his kingdom in the world. You can and must worship and work for God's kingdom in private and in ways unique to yourself, But if God's kingdom is to go forward rather than around and around in circles, we must work together as well as apart. In week one of the series, Pastor Jeremy spoke on the primacy of worship. We were made to worship God, to know him, to enjoy him, and to offer our whole selves to him. We as individuals and we as a church belong to God and for God. Week two, Pastor Dave spoke on service. We not only worship as a church, but we are called to serve the purposes and mission of God together. And this is one of the ways God grows us and his church. And last week, Pastor Brendan took us through the blueprint of discipleship, which is to become more like Jesus and to do the things that Jesus did. And the journey of discipleship is not a solo venture, but one done in community. So as we think about the two great purposes of the church, worship and work, and we can include service and missions and making disciples, there's a third purpose that exists to allow for worship and work to flourish. And that purpose of the church can be called fellowship. But what exactly is fellowship? Like, worship, like the word worship, there's a lot of confusion when it comes to defining it. The church I grew up in had a fellowship hall. It was the place where after the service, we would get Dunkin' Donuts and coffee. I would always look forward to that. Some things never change. And some people say, I fellowship at this church, which means that they attend and are part of a particular congregation. Or fellowship can be used for social events with other Christians, like going for a coffee or a hike or hanging out and so on. And as much as I love coffee and donuts and social events with my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we will see that the vision for fellowship in the New Testament is far deeper than these things. The Greek word for fellowship, koinonia, carries the idea of having a share participation, a shared participation. And our English Bible translates this word as sharing or fellowship or even communion. But what does this look like and what does it mean for the church? While we don't have time to cover all the facets of fellowship this morning, we will look at three aspects of fellowship as it relates to the life of the church. And these three aspects of fellowship are a part of God's design for the church so that true worship and kingdom work 
can flourish. So first, Christian fellowship is a shared participation in communion with God. Christian fellowship is a shared participation in communion with God. Let's take a look at our first passage in 1 John 1, verses 1 through 7. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we write this to make our joy complete. And this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I love how John describes the fellowship that we get to get in on. We are invited to communion in the perfect fellowship between the Father and with his Son from eternity. And we know from other passages that this fellowship also includes the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the Trinitarian benediction, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The fellowship of the triune God is where one is one where there is perfect love, perfect unity, and boundless joy. And John goes on to say that this fellowship has been going on, that has been going on for eternity has now been revealed in history with the incarnation of Jesus, and that he and the other apostles are eyewitnesses who have experienced the person of Jesus, entered into his fellowship, and now are proclaimers of his message. And this fellowship is entered by responding to Jesus by believing in who he is and walking with him. So to believe in Jesus is to believe in who he says he is, that he is the Savior, the only one who could rescue us from sin and darkness and who could bring us into light and life. It is to believe that he is Lord and King, the only one worthy of our lives, allegiance and devotion. And to walk with Jesus is to abide in his presence, live according to his word, and to love others in his name. Fellowship begins with our union with Christ. And the amazing thing about the fellowship that we have with Christ is that it not only forms a bond between individuals to Christ, but a bond is formed between those who belong to Christ. So the church is not a place bound by ethnicity, social class, or status. Rather, the church is a fellowship of believers bound together by the redeeming work of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And one really cool thing that happens when you go on a missions trip outside of your home culture is to immediately experience the fellowship and bond of Christ with believers who come from a totally different culture and background. 
You may not even understand what exactly is happening in the service. Everyone seems joyful and cheerful. There's a sense of oneness. There's a feeling of joy. And in this missional context, what is amazing is that your own personal preference on how a worship service should be and how it should go, they become secondary. The primary business becomes about connecting with God and connecting with one another in spite of language, culture, and even personal preferences. And what happens when we do this? There is fullness of joy. This is what happens when we remain rooted in the source of our fellowship. We must remain connected to that which connects us together, our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I love when we have communion together. It's a tangible practice of this great spiritual reality. We share from the same bread and the same cup. We remember the sacrifice of Christ. We give thanks for his work of redemption. We celebrate the grace we receive. We anticipate his coming together. The table of communion brings us back to the source of our fellowship. So what is something that we can practice with this idea of fellowship in mind? Perhaps the next time you take communion here at North Shore Alliance Church, I encourage you to go and receive the elements with a friend. Don't go by yourself. Go with a friend. Go back to your seats together. Take a moment to share, to pray, to give thanks, to encourage. Or perhaps another way that you can put this into practice is on your way to church next week, take a moment to pray. God, would you fill me and your people with joy as we meet with you and meet with one another? Come with great expectation and anticipation of what God will do in our midst together. So what is Christian fellowship? First, it is a shared participation in communion with God. Second, Christian fellowship is a shared participation in the community of God's people. It's a shared participation in the community of God's people. Let's look at our second passage, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They, which is the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. If you're like me, whenever... I read this passage, I'm always challenged and convicted on how radical the early church was in their devotion to the Lord and to one another. And here we see the early church having four devotional practices. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And we see that the apostles' teaching is also accompanied by wonders and signs. We see that the breaking of bread is done with hospitality and glad hearts. We see prayers resulting in praise and people coming to know the Lord. But what about fellowship? 
Verse 44 gives us a good picture of how fellowship functioned in the church. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. And this word common shares the same root as koinonia, or fellowship. Fellowship was about being together, sharing everything in common, meeting the needs of the community. In other words, fellowship with one another was tangible and action-oriented. True Christian fellowship is about doing life together. In church, especially bigger ones, we can easily stay at the level of making Christian acquaintances. We can show up to Sunday mornings, sit in the same seats every week, get to casually know a few people around us by name, or we could bolt after the final song, but if you're more social, you could stick around and make small talk in the foyer. And it would be easy to do this year after year without going any deeper. But making Christian acquaintances is vastly different from participating in Christian fellowship. Christian fellowship is about being together, being known, and participating in one another's lives. So what does this tangible fellowship look like? It can look like encouraging one another, building one another up, caring for one another, praying with each other, learning from and teaching each other, keeping one another accountable, and meeting practical needs. Are you known in this church community? I don't mean known by the entire church, but do you have spiritual friendships and connections in this community? Tim Keller, in his message on spiritual friendships, points out that the need and want of deep spiritual friendships is not a sign of spiritual immaturity, but of maturity. It's not a sign of weakness, but of health. He goes on to say that the only ache of humanity before sin entered the world was the ache for compassion and friendship. All other aches that we experience, the sickness ache, the hunger ache, the pain ache, the ache of purposelessness, are all a result of sin and death. But Adam, though sinless and living in God's paradise, couldn't fully enjoy it. It was because God's design for humanity is that we were created for deep relationships with one another. After all, we are created in the image of God who is three in one, who existed in eternity in relationship. And so we see deep spiritual friendships in the early church. They gathered together in worship. They prayed together. They shared meals together. They willingly and sacrificially met each other's practical needs. And this doesn't happen when you are disinterested in the lives of one another. This only happens when there is deep friendship and a mutual love, trust, and care for one another. So if we look at the early church through the lens of sharing life together and deep spiritual friendships and relationships, it all of a sudden doesn't feel as extreme or radical. Because when you truly love and are connected to someone, the natural impulse is to take care of them, is to be with them, is to care, is to provide. I love this quote from J.I. Packer's book, God's Words. We should not think of our fellowship with other Christians as a spiritual luxury, an optional addition to the exercises of private devotion. 
we should recognize, rather, that such fellowship is a spiritual necessity. For God has made us in such a way that our fellowship with himself is fed by our fellowship with fellow Christians and requires to be so fed constantly for its own deepening and enrichment. We are called to give of ourselves to one another. When we do so, we actually experience God's love and commitment to us in a deeper way. We are called to give of our limited resources generously to one another. And when we do so, we will experience God coming alongside us with his limitless resources. This is what it means to fellowship with one another in the community of God's people. Now, this type of fellowship that is described here in Acts would be hard to accomplish all on a Sunday morning. Actually, it would be impossible. While Sunday gatherings are really important for us to collectively be together and to worship God as a community, participating in life together requires investing our time and resources for sharing our lives throughout the week. And so here are some suggestions for putting this into practice. If you feel unknown or you feel like an outsider in this church, or if you have an ache for spiritual friendship, you can begin by praying to God to connect you with a few people in this church. But as you pray, consider joining a Bible study, a small group, uh, to volunteer in one of the ministries of the church. These are all ways and places where spiritual friendships can grow and form. Uh, another way that you could put this into practice, uh, is there a practical need that you know of in the church that someone has? How might God be calling you to come alongside both relationally and practically? So what is Christian fellowship? First, it is a shared participation in communion with God. Second, it is a shared participation in the community of God's people. And third, fellowship is a shared participation in the mission of God. Fellowship is a shared participation in the mission of God. Let's look at our third passage, Galatians chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me, who's Paul, and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. The context of this passage is that Paul is recounting his second visit to Jerusalem after his conversion. And this visit was an interaction between Paul and his companions and the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, James, Peter, and John. And this meeting was really important for Paul because there were those in the Jewish community who were maligning Paul and his message, especially the Judaizers, who believed that in order to be saved, you need to be circumcised, essentially saying that in order to become a Christian, you first need to become Jewish. And so Paul stands before the leaders of the Jerusalem church to set forth the gospel of grace and the implications of this message, especially as it's proclaimed among the Gentiles. Paul calls this meeting because he is truly concerned for the unity, health, and mission of the church. He recognizes if that, 
if they get the gospel wrong, the church will be compromised. And we see that the Jerusalem leaders and Paul have a positive outcome to their meeting. There's a fundamental unity about, around the one true gospel of Jesus and reciprocity in the task of fulfilling the Great Commission for both Jew and Gentile. And we see that the Jerusalem leaders give Paul and his team the right hand of fellowship. Now, this is not to be seen as a handshake of two competing parties coming to an accord, but rather to communicate mutual trust and entering into a partnership together. This means that the missionary endeavors of both the church in Jerusalem and Paul's efforts to the nations were not two different missions. In fact, they served one mission with one message, the good news of Jesus. And it's also important to note how this summit ends. The Jerusalem leaders asked Paul to continue to remember the poor. And the poor was shorthand for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. And we see in the book of Acts in the early days of the church, believers in Jerusalem experienced extreme poverty and famine and persecution. And so partnership, the partnership of missions includes not only the proclamation of the message of Christ, but also concern for meeting practical needs in the community. We see that in the midst of Paul's gospel ministry of proclamation to the Gentiles, his commitment to the church in Jerusalem as well. In Paul's letters to the churches, we see him fundraising and taking up special collections for the poor in Jerusalem. For Paul, proclamation of the gospel, partnership with the Jerusalem church, contributing to the relief effort was all a part of what it means to practice Christian fellowship. Peter, James, and John served the church in Jerusalem together, and Paul, Barnabas, and Titus went on missionary journeys together. And the beauty of Paul and Peter partnering together was that it was a beautiful picture of fellowship and partnership, that there is one Lord, one gospel, and one mission to see Jesus lifted up. North Shore Alliance Church, you are a group of believers who are called to this particular fellowship. We are a band of brothers and sisters to be bearers and proclaimers of the good news of Jesus right here on the North Shore. But that's not all. It's such a beautiful thing that our church has so many ministry partners, both locally and globally. Pastor Dave, whenever commissioning and sending out a ministry team, always mentions that we as a church are not just sending out, but that we are going with we recognize that we are connected to the fellowship of God worldwide and through our partnerships both locally here in Vancouver and globally around the world, we get to participate and join in through prayer, experience mutual encouragement, share of our resources, hear reports of what God is doing in one another's community. And this all leads to an increase of our joy and it further fuels our fellowship to be about the kingdom business of God. So here are some practical action steps to consider this week. Uh, perhaps you can get involved in one of the outreach ministries in our church. Uh, there's the coffee time ministry, there's the Christmas dinner that's approaching, so many opportunities to serve. Or even start praying now about joining a short-term missions team. Uh, the second action step feels a little bit self-serving, 
but it's to be active in praying for our local and global ministry partners. Every month, our church spotlights one ministry partner. Unfortunately, it's not me this month, so I, I can't benefit from this right, right away. Uh, actually, this month, it's Amy serving with Power to Change. She has shared a ministry update. You can find it on our website. Take time to read it, to pray for her. And if you want to take it to the next level, write an encouraging email to her that you're praying for her. God's design for fellowship is to allow for the true worship and work of God to flourish. To sum it up, Christian fellowship is about shared participation in communion with God. Our communion with God is our source and sustenance of our fellowship with one another. Christian fellowship is about shared participation in the community of God's people. We are called to deep spiritual friendships with one another, to love and to care for one another. Christian fellowship is about shared participation in the mission of God. We are all bearers and proclaimers of the good news of Jesus, and we are a community on mission together. North Shore Alliance Church, may we be a place of authentic fellowship so that the name of Jesus might be glorified, that we might be used mightily in his kingdom here on the North Shore and around the world. Uh, at this time, I would like to invite the worship team up at the platform. They'll be leading two songs, and I invite you during this time to respond in prayer. Perhaps you can begin just by asking the Holy Spirit to search your heart this morning, to reveal something for you to perhaps hold on to, or to let go of, or to confess. If you'd like someone to pray with you, um, Val and Kathy are near the St. George's exit, and they would love to come alongside you in prayer. So let's pray together to open this time of response. Father God, we thank you that you are the God who invites us into fellowship with you and to with one another. Would you, by your Holy Spirit, cause our hearts to be open and available to you and also open and available to one another? Bond us closer in authentic fellowship that the name of Jesus might be exalted in our lives and in our church and in the city. We pray these things in Jesus' name.